Amazing. Thank you so much for that reading, Sarah. It's so good to be with you guys in the building and online. Um, so, yep, as everyone has introduced me, my name is Josie, um, and I am a questioner. I was probably that kid that constantly asked why <laughs> when I was growing up. And I grew up in North Devon, um, and I didn't start exploring faith until I was about 17 years old. And it took me a solid two years of being dragged to church by my friends before I could confidently say that I was a Christian. Alpha would have been great for me. I had so many questions. And one in particular that I really struggled with was about the resurrection. Kind of important. But I wrestled and I asked questions over and over and over. How, why, when, what does that mean? And um, wanting to know why Jesus died and was resurrected. And it's continued to be an event that has fascinated me, changed me, and bewildered me for the last decade. I want to know what difference it actually makes to the ups and downs of everyday life. I want to know how this event changes things. Luckily, I'm training to be a vicar now, and I'm fairly convinced that it's important. Um, but I particularly had a realization around the difference that Jesus makes to my life almost about six years ago at Focus, which we mentioned. Um, so was in the middle of a campsite, sat on a, on a picnic bench, having lunch with some friends, um, mulling over a verse that you might have heard of. It's John chapter 10, verse 10, and it says, I have come that may, they may have life and have it to the full. And yeah, as usually happens to me at Focus, I have this epiphany about it, that fullness of life isn't just about the heights. Sometimes when we think about fullness, it can be this sort of linear direction that we're headed in towards goodness, that all the bad things will ultimately fall away and everything's going to end up good in this life. But I realized that it wasn't just about the heights, the good stuff, but it was also about the lows. Because of Jesus' life, death and resurrection, there is something about experiencing the lows of life that is different, fuller, more real, and it fascinated me. If God really is who he says he is, what does that mean when the hard stuff happens? Our passage today is undoubtedly a full passage. The lowest lows as Mary desperately seeks Jesus in the midst of her grief, and the highest heights as the resurrected Jesus appears to her. If it's true that Jesus is with us in the midst of all these things, that means that the stories contained in the pages of the Bible have something to teach us about how to navigate them. This evening, I want to take a look at the process of grief and what Mary Magdalene has to teach us about navigating painful loss in our lives. Now, when we talk about grief, what likely comes to mind is the feeling of loss when we lose a loved one to death. Over the last few days, you will have seen in the news that Prince Philip, who was married to the Queen, has died at age 99, and there has been a huge public response to people mourning the loss of a brilliant man. There may be people in this room today or watching online that have lost a loved one either recently or a long time ago. But the definition of grief is not only about the feeling of loss, but it's also the process that we go through in order to cope with the change that loss brings. And to some degree, we've all experienced this over the pandemic over the last year. I've often felt it as exhaustion, randomly bursting into tears and not really knowing why, feeling really sad and really disoriented, 
We've lost the ability to do all kinds of things that were totally normal to us before. Going to the shops, getting to see friends and family, getting a haircut, which has been much commented on already. I can't wait to. And it's been incredibly difficult for us to collectively endure. We've not really known what to do and how to cope with such immense loss out of our hands. And I'm sure it'll continue to be something that we navigate in the months to come. So, does Jesus have anything to say to these experiences? Can we trust him to be present in the midst of it all? Well, I think yes. And I'm going to highlight a few of the ways that we can see Mary navigating her grief in this passage and draw out some of the things that we can learn from her. So in the middle of Mary's grief, she does three things. She pauses, she perseveres, and then she proclaims. Let me explain. Mary visits the tomb early on resurrection morning, searching for Jesus. She doesn't find him, and so goes to find the other disciples that have come, and have them come to see what happened. Mary is grief-stricken in the garden, overcome with the loss of the person that she loved so completely. She, like the other disciples, had expectations, ideas of how life was going to pan out with Jesus on earth. And that had been ripped away from her as she lost him to the cross. She's confused, deep in the darkness of it all. She goes to the garden to tend to his body. She wants to be close to him and to mourn the loss of her Lord. But she discovers the empty tomb, and as the disciples leave to go back to where they were staying, she stays. She pauses in her grief and allows the experience to be what it is. If we are to offer our grief to God and allow him to do something with it, we must first pause and acknowledge it for what it is. What is about to happen to Mary in our passage would never have happened if she hadn't been determined to experience her grief. The beauty of Easter is that grief precedes victory. In no way are we expected to leave behind the hard things of life, the mess, the unknowns, and the confusion. But, but grief could be the very pathway to finding God. Struggling to understand our faith in Jesus in the face of loss is a really normal thing. Mary didn't understand either. And grief changes things. It changes us. Mary is changed by this event. All the disciples are. And we have been changed by the loss that this last year has contained. In this passage, we have some reference points for what to do with that grief. Jesus meets Mary in the midst of her grief, tenderly, gently, and carefully responds to her by opening her eyes and changing everything. Jesus simply requires us to begin by offering him the stuff pausing long enough to hear the tenderness of his voice in order, in order that he can make something good and beautiful out of it. God wastes nothing. He uses all of our experiences for our good and for his glory. The second thing that Mary does is she perseveres. Grief is a way to God. We often think that difficult or painful emotions stop us from being connected to God. And whilst I'm, I'm certain and I have experienced that it definitely changes the way we experience God, because of the resurrection, God never leaves you. 
we often feel that we need to leave pain at the door. And maybe you've had experiences um, about not being received in your pain. But Mary would not have experienced the resurrection of Jesus without her grief. Her mourning led her to the grave. Her suffering kept her waiting. But her persistence in the midst of her suffering ultimately led to a history-altering encounter with the risen Jesus. Your persistence in the midst of what feels like God's absence will lead to an encounter with Jesus that will eternally change you. In the midst of Mary's suffering and loss, she perseveres in looking for his body. Initially, she encounters angels sitting in Jesus' tomb. But in the midst of her pain, Mary doesn't recognize the angels for who they are. In other encounters that people have with angels throughout the Gospels, they're often um, completely struck with fear or awe. It's this dramatic, huge, incredible encounter. But Mary bends and looks into the tomb, sees the angels and hears their questions, as though anyone had asked them to her. She stands up and turns around to see Jesus, but doesn't recognize him. And both the angels and Jesus ask her why she is weeping. This, at first reading, to me, seems like a really strange question to ask Mary. If you think about it, it's, it's quite obvious why she's crying, and it's entirely reasonable. The questions asked by the angels and Jesus are not an accusation. They're not telling Mary to stop it. They're an invitation into a new reality. The angels and Jesus ask her these questions with deep tenderness and love. They're the kind of questions that reach out to someone you love and say, come and see. There's more to this than you know. There's something that they know that she doesn't quite yet, but she's about to find out. And there's a strange sort of excitement that sits alongside the grief. Because of the resurrection, we are invited to enter into a new reality where grief and pain are not the final word. Jesus invites us to truly live amongst what feels like death. Mary's moment of relief comes when Jesus says her name. In that moment, confusion is lifted and she sees Jesus stood in front of her in all his glory. It's the moment in this passage that always gets me. I feel such incredible joy for Mary as she's met face to face with the one that she's been searching for all along. The resurrection encounters tell us so much about the kind of God that we have in Jesus. A loving, gentle, patient and ever-present friend who is willing to meet each of us face to face and to share himself with only you. If there was no one else for God to have come for, for God to have died for, he would still have done it for you. He would still have chosen you. We see the individual care that Jesus takes over each of us. And he takes just as much care coming to meet you today. Finally, we see Mary falling at Jesus' feet grasping at him in the hope that he has returned to physically be with her in the way that he was. But that's not quite meant to be. Jesus is returning to be with the Father, to be with God as he was in the beginning, in order to send the Holy Spirit to be with us in all places, always. Jesus has more work to do, 
And after meeting Mary in the midst of her grief, he invites her to be a part of the story. Mary's grief becomes an integral part of her story and of God's story. Mary's grief is also not reversed in this passage. She doesn't get to have Jesus back in the way that she wanted. Instead, Jesus takes her love, her devotion, her pain and her grief and turns it to goodness. We remember her in the pages of the Bible for staying and waiting and persevering in order that she would have good news to tell. I don't know if Mary's grief was taken away in that moment. And I I think to assume that it was is maybe to read this too simplistically. But I do know that Jesus used her grief for a purpose. Jesus received it and gave her a way to use her loss to tell the greatest story ever known. I have seen the Lord, she says to the other disciples. She witnesses to what she has seen, which is all that God ever asks any of us as we journey through life to tell our stories of how God has met us in the midst of our pain to produce something holy. The more I walk the road with Jesus, the more convinced I am that the height of my joy is informed by the depth of my grief. Not in reaction or opposition to one another, but because when Jesus said he has come to give us life to the full, he meant the full spectrum. The deeper we're willing to go, In the challenges of life we lead, the more expansive and the more vast the love of God seems. It takes a huge amount of courage to grieve well, to allow the difficulties of what life is at the time to be realized. But it's precisely in the midst of these things that we find a kind of furious hope that can only be fueled by resurrection power. It's as we come face to face with the darkness and the suffering of this world, that the death and resurrection of Jesus begins to make the most sense. Jesus entered into the suffering, the brokenness, the death and the evil that pervades humanity because of sin. He walked into it. He took it into himself on the cross and eternally defeated it. To know Jesus in the midst of our suffering is to know the very power of God that has ultimately defeated everything and anything that we endure. It's a kind of powerful hope that rivals even the darkest of things. And so I invite you today, offer your experiences to Jesus. Trust him with them. Knowing that you may not be able to predict the road ahead of you, You may not know the highs and the lows that you're going to face, but you can absolutely trust in the power and the goodness of God because that's what he did on the cross. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for the power that defeated death. We thank you that this is a real thing that's available to us right now. This is not a story that is far beyond our reach. This is not something that only happened then. This is something that we have access to now. This is a power that changes things. And Lord, I pray that you would meet with every person watching online, that you would fill them with your Holy Spirit, 
that you would do the same for every person in this room. Would you come and speak life? Would you come and fill us with your hope, with your goodness, and with all that you have ahead of us?